um, done that at all. And we're going to talk about stewardship this week and next week. Um, we're going to pick it up a little bit. Um, and I want to talk about a couple different um, kinds of stewardship. So um, next week, we're going to talk about stewarding our relationships. So um, I, I tend to forget there's a lot of work we've done together in this house, just in building health. Like, how do we follow Jesus? How do we do relationships his way? How do we, all kinds of things his way. Until I go and I visit somewhere else or speak somewhere else, and I'm like, oh, wow, they don't do it this way. Like, they, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I'll go speak in other churches, and um, I haven't been there 15 minutes, and this person's told me about that person, this person's, watch out for that, right? I've already got, like, the load down on 50 people in the congregation, um, and I kind of feel like, have you talked to them? Have you dealt with it? Have you had an honest conversation? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, we can't really because, of, right? Well, no, Matthew 18 says go to that person, go to that person alone and, and right, deal with your stuff. And I think it, it kind of meant for everybody. I'm just telling you, I, I forget sometimes about the place I think, wow, um, it makes me super thankful to come home and be like, people do stuff Jesus way. Like, Jesus way works, doesn't it? So we're going to do a little work on stewarding our relationships, which is healthy relationships and how we have a healthy relationship together. People who have healthy relationships don't have them because they're perfect or because they don't fail. Yeah, they work at it and they have tools. I think there's people who, they want healthy relationships and their relationships keep turning out to be really dysfunctional, um, but they want healthy relationships. They were never given good tools. So even if they want to work at it, the tools they're working with are really bad tools. How many of you have recognized at some point in your life, I had bad tools? Like these were not tools that were going to help me, right? Jesus gives us good tools. Thank God. You don't have to, you don't have to grow up in a perfect family to get good, tool, good tools. You can grow up in a super dysfunctional family, but the word of God guides us. And we can say, I'm going to exchange what I have for what you have and do it his way. So next week we'll talk about stewarding relationships and healthy relationships. But today we're talking about stewarding the garden of our heart. Stewarding the garden of our heart. How many of you know life isn't just happening to you? There's some stuff that's not in your control. But you can have two people go through the very same circumstance and come out very differently. And the difference is how they stewarded their heart through the difficulty. What you plant is going to grow. Whether it's beautiful stuff or ugly stuff, what you plant is going to grow. And some stuff you plant grows like wildfire, for good or for bad, right? So we're going to stewarding the garden of our heart. Before we do that, uh, for those of you who are newer um, with us, um, you've not been through a stewardship series, I just want to set it up because there's stuff that we've done together over the past few years and I want you to be on the same page. So just really quickly, when we talk about stewardship, here's some underlying principles. Number one, stewardship. I don't own anything. First principle of stewardship, I don't own anything. First principle of stewardship, I don't own anything. Second principle of stewardship, God owns everything. This is my father's world. I'm a, but I, I pay mortgage on that house. I, he, breathed, he put breath in your lungs. Come on. I own nothing. He owns everything. 
first two principles of stewardship. Third principle of stewardship. If God made it and I have access to it, I'm a steward. If God made it and I have access to it, you're a great intellect. You're just a steward of it. It's his. The time you have on this earth, you're just stewarding it. It's his. The stuff I own, I'm just a steward of it. It's his. And I can prove it to you. The day I do your funeral, we will not bury you with any of it. It's not yours. Not really. Okay, next principles. That begs the question, how can I be a good steward? Number one, your focus needs to be the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ and his word to permeate everything in our lives, everything we have, everything we do, everything we are, his gospel permeates it, right? Number two, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. How many of you know there's a fool on every corner who will tell you how to steward your life? There's a fool on every channel who will tell you how to steward your life. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Number three, and invest in eternity. What you do for eternity remains. That's the only thing that remains. What you do for eternity. So invest in eternity. When you see the capitals that you're stewarding, ask yourself, what can I do that's eternal with this? All the time, asking yourself, what can I do that's eternal? What am I doing that's not eternal? How could I turn it to something eternal? You going to your job can be temporal or eternal. Depends on your perspective. The money in your pocket can be temporal or eternal. Depends on your perspective. Once you change your perspective to say, God, let this be eternal. Let the neighborhood I live in, let me just not by happenstance live here. Let it have eternal purposes. Open my eyes. Show me the eternal work you're doing in this neighborhood. I want to partner with you. Right? Everything you can, it's perspective. Once you invite God into it, it reprioritizes everything. So those are the ways that we steward things well. And here's what we steward. There are five capitals. Can you see them? Are they too small? A little bit. Okay. Everyone under 40 is like, no, great. Um, you have five capitals in your life. This is from order of least important to most important. You have money, least important. Money should just buy you better capital. Money should not be the thing you pursue. Money is a capital that you are steward. Your intellect, oh, nice. Thank you, Eric. Your intellect, some of them are still like, no, I just still can't. Um, your intellect is something that you steward. What you know, right? Your know-how. Your physical life is something you steward. Your time, your energy, your body, these are things you steward. Your relationships, you steward. And your spiritual life, you steward. And that's an order from least important to most important. So a wise person is constantly trading up. You want to leverage your capital to get higher capital, right? So some of you are, um, some of you went through college. Some of you are in college. What are you doing? You are taking your money capital and you're investing it in intellectual capital. You are trading up, right? A wise person is constantly trading up their capital. So I want to have things in the right perspective. If money is all I care about, everything in my life's going to be upside down. And really, money is not what I care about. It's what money can get me. So that's the question to ask yourself. What am I wanting money to get me? 
well, the nicest clothes, the nicest things. Well, then what I'm really doing is I care a lot about my relational capital and I care about what shallow people think of me. So where I'm building relational capitals with people who aren't going to be with me through any storms. <laughs> that makes you reassess a little bit. Right? Your capitals are buying you something. And it's good to stop and ask ourselves, what is this capital buying me? And why am I really investing it here? Who gets your time? Who gets, right, where are you investing that time capital, that physical capital? Relationship, spiritual capital. How often people will exchange spiritual capital for smaller things, for lesser capital, right? My kids don't do overnights on Saturday. There's a reason for that. I'm not going to have them invest in relational capital at the expense of their spiritual capital. They're coming to church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, so those are just basic principles of stewardship that we're going to wipe out now. We've got them in our head. And we're going to talk about the stewardship of gardening, our, uh, tending the garden of our heart. So those are basic principles of stewardship we'll just carry with us. When we talk about tending the garden of our heart, what are we talking about? We have the ability to plant what comes next in our life. I didn't think that'd be controversial. We have, the, we have the ability to plant what comes next in our lives. If I tell myself at Christmas time, if, if we're really tight, and I tell myself, my kids deserve an awesome Christmas, so I'm going to spend the money I don't have, well, my January is going to look a certain way because I planted something in November, December that gets me evicted in January. We've had Christmases where we were like, kids, we're spending less than 10 bucks a piece, and that's just this Christmas. That's just how it's going to be. And we throw big parties and whatever, but we've had tight Christmases because we're not going to reap a January of debt. Choices you make, right? You have the ability to plant now what you're going to reap tomorrow. That's just scriptural. I'm going to read it to you in a minute because some of you are not convinced, I can tell. <laughs> so when we talk about tending the garden of our heart, how do we know what's in our heart? What are we talking about? Right? Because our heart is really just an organ that <laughs> pumps blood. What are we talking about? What about the things we value, the things we love? How do you know what you value and love? Well, Matthew 6.21, Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So those five capitals, your money, your intellect, your physical life, your relational life, Where's your treasure? Where do you put your capitals? That's where your heart is. Yeah? <clears throat> um, just for fun, sometimes, when my boys will say, hey, Dad, go for a bike ride. In the other room, I'll be like, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> And he'll be like, shut up. <laughs> there was one day he was just such a good dad and a husband. I mean, he'd worked all day, and then he went to, like, a kid's performance that night, and he had done, like, a couple other things. And you could just tell, like, that man was just so ready for bed. But it's sunny late now. 
And our oldest was like, are we going to bike ride? And just for jokes, I thought, it's ridiculous we're going to bike ride tonight. Surely he won't do it. That's the first time. I was like, cats in the cradle of the zip. <laughs> and he was like, that's exactly what's going through my head. And he went on the bike ride. Now, now listen. Yeah. I felt really bad then because I was like, oh, because really. Because um, we're not talking about, like, we go on the block with me, Dad. We have moved um, off of Parnell Road, which is very fast. Um, and so our kids used to be able to, like, go bike to, like, the local store and, like, grab candy and stuff. And now we're like, this road's too fast. Like, and you know what? And we see the drivers. We're like, they will kill you. Like, they, <laughs> even if you're smart, they will kill you. Right? It's not going to happen. So they were like, but whoa, what can we do? Can we find a street? They figured out that the back of our complex, there's a wooded area. And they got a satellite map of the area. And they figured out how this wooded area connects to that wooded area, connects to that wooded area. And after an hour of biking through the woods, they get to Bigby Coffee on Airport Road. without touching pavement. I mean, you gotta be impressed. So when they'd figured it out and they were like, can we do it? I was like, I mean, at first you're like, who knows who's in those woods? But you can't really say no to boys who wanna take an adventure and they have figured out how to, they don't even like coffee. <laughs> but they have figured out a place they can get to following our rules. So we were like, uh, okay. You know, you can. We send a phone in case of creepers out there. We don't know. Who knows? We figure they cannot run a creeper. I don't know. The first or second time they came back, um, Max, who's more, uh, more private, where is it? Was it helping kids upstairs? Oh, then I can tell the story. So he's, he's, he's much more, he's our, he's our super modest one. Well, which you wouldn't know because he's a boxer all the time. But anyway. He's our modest one, if we have a modest one. <laughs> so they're in the middle of this bike ride. He's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. They're in the middle of woods. Luke's like, there's a tree, there's a bush, there's 500 trees. <laughs> go. I can't, I can't go on a tree. So they find an outhouse in the middle of the woods. He would rather go into that outhouse <laughs> than go behind a tree in the woods. So they get home, they tell us about it, and I was like, an outhouse in the middle of the woods? No, no, it's a hunting blind. <laughs> you know it is. So he went and did all of his business in his hunting blind. And I thought, Jim Green is gonna go hunting this fall. <laughs> He's going to step into his hunting blind and be like, <gasps> what do you do? So, so when I sent my husband on a bike ride, that's the bike ride he went on, an hour long. You, you have to, they have put logs over water. So like they're trying to, he fell in the creek. I mean, it was horrible. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, in terms of capitals, his time and his energy, the fact that he came home wet and muddy, spent an hour going to Big Big Coffee, that, 
he exchanged, he exchanged up because the relational capital that created, pretty powerful. Where do you put your treasure? Where do you put your treasure? That's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. So what's happening in your heart, look, look where your treasure is. That's your heart. It's your five capitals, your money, your intellect, your physical realm, your relationships. That's where you're investing those treasures you have. That's where your heart is. You have to tend the garden of your heart. What's planted there, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, above all else, this is a big one, right? Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do is going to flow from it. What are you planting in this season? Because what, what flows in next season is going to come from this season. What are you planting? Guard your heart. What does that mean? That means that stuff can get into our heart. Things can worm their way in. Things can start to take a place of value they don't belong in. Yeah? It doesn't just kind of happen. Life isn't just happening to us. We're making choices. Or we're an autopilot. And we are, we're deciding, whatever, just go with the flow. Listen, where the flow, where a fallen world takes you is not a good place. You need to get out of neutral and to drive. Guard your heart. Be in charge of it. Steward it. Because everything in your life is going to flow from what's happening in your heart. Proverbs twenty three twenty six. My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes delight my ways. What's coming into your mind? What's coming into your life? What comes in through your eyes? I and mean, that's, man, there's so many things where if you said, here's what I want, here's what I don't want, there's a ton of stuff our culture wants to show us all the time on television, on movies, on whatever. Um, all the time wants to show us that if you stopped and thought about it, you think, I don't want to value that. But it's what you're constantly taking in. Even, you know, my two older sons, they're at a point now where we can watch some sitcoms with them. And we watch them together, you know. And it's amazing, even the ones that are pretty benign. If they were made in the past 10 years, there's just like sexual jokes and things that I feel like, they're, it's, just perver it's a perverse way to live. It's a perverse way to think about human sexuality. It's a perverse way to think about, you know, how you treat other people. And so for our kids, I mean, you know, they're, they're exposed to this culture, but we're constantly saying things like, you know, like, this is not who we are. It's not who you are. Like, you need to, you take stuff in, you need, to, you need to balance that stuff. You need to be proactive about, one, what you take in, but two, when you take in stuff that you know you aren't in agreement with, man, there's times you just say, God, just cleanse my, cleanse. Do you ever just feel like you got slimed? You didn't even choose to, but you just got slimed? People showed you stuff you did not want to see. <sighs> Create me a clean heart, Lord. Create me a clean heart. The junk, right? That you, Lord, take it away. In Proverbs, the father says to his son, listen, there's some streets I don't even want you to walk down. Because I know the women who live in those streets. Now, how he knows those women, I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming someone told him. 
But he says, listen, tie a string on your finger to remind yourself it's that important. I don't go down that street. He's not saying don't dally with those women. He's saying don't even go down the street. Don't even take it in with your eyes. And he could have written that to his daughter too, right? I mean, right? My son, give me your heart. And guard what happens. Guard what comes in your eyes. Be careful. Let your eyes delight in my ways. It's why abiding is also so important. If you yourself aren't in the word, if you yourself aren't in God's presence, you don't have any time of prayer in your life, then where do you go to clean that stuff out? I feel like I cleaned out daily. Daily I'm like, God, purify my heart, my mind, and my, right? Even things like little offenses. How many people you can pick up little offenses? All day long you can pick up little offenses. And your heart's frustrated and irritated. It's sucking up all the energy in your heart, right? Man, God, heal my heart from offenses. Help me be forgiving. Like, I don't know about you, and I might be more corrupt than most, but I'm just saying, daily I need to. Daily. There's stuff the Holy Spirit finds where he's like, oh, I can take that. I can take that. I can take that. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Life isn't just happening to you. Got to be intentional. We give it direction by what we plant. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure at your heart, your treasure is your heart is also. Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. For he who sows the flesh, and the flesh, right, if you're new to the faith, flesh is talking about the things that like, the things you just crave that aren't like healthy, right? Just what you just want, passions that are unbridled. If you sow to the flesh, out of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. Right? I sow to the flesh. Destruction comes next. But he who sows to the spirit will, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. Wow, that could not be clearer. Right? Don't be deceived. If you're reaping a harvest you don't want, plant something different. <laughs> you can't control what other people do to you, but you can control where your heart goes with it. If you want a different harvest than what you're reaping right now, plant something different. Because what I'm sowing into the garden of my heart I am reaping tomorrow. There's no way around it. He says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. What does that mean? Most of us feel like, well, I know I should, but most of us feel like somehow we will be the exception to the rule. Don't, when we do stupid, isn't that what we're telling ourselves? I mean, other people this ruin their lives, but ugh, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to do that, right? Don't we? And I'm not just talking about, like, the obvious, like, sinful stuff, right? Like, if you get drunk every Friday, something bad's going to happen eventually. Either on your drive home or the person you wake up with. I mean, you know, something bad. You can't get drunk all the Like, there's stuff that we know, right? You can't do that. You can't. But listen, there are just things even like what I'm meditating on. 
right? What are you turning over and over and over in your mind and in your heart every day? That's hard. That's not easy. Every single person in this room has been done wrong by somebody. Some way more than others. Well, what are you going to meditate on when you're trying to sort through those things? The word says, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Why do we turn those things over in our head over and over and over again? Because we feel like, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be taken advantage of again. I'm going to try to, where did I go wrong? And what did I, and then they said this. And then they, how many of you have been there? And you're just turning it over and over and over again. What are you trying to do? You're trying to make sure your tomorrow doesn't look like your yesterday. But that's leaning on our own understanding. Turning it over. And that replaying all the conversations, right? What are we doing? Listen, that's legit. I mean, there's reasons why we do it out of pain. We're trying to figure out. But listen, he's telling us that can't bring us life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. God, what does your word say? I will do it. I don't need to figure it all out. You have figured it out. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what? He will make your path straight. Leaning on my own understanding can't make my path straight. It'll zig and zag just like it zigged and zagged. You will marry the same creep you married before. This friendship will end just like the last one did. This job will end like the last job ended. Right? Even though we, we try to figure it all out, what happened? We keep repeating the same stuff. Our own understanding can only get us so far. At some point, we just say, God, what does your word say? And the Holy Spirit, what are you saying? I'm building it on your word, and then specifically I'm asking you for direction. I am not leaning on my own understanding. So many times the Holy Spirit tells you to do will be counterintuitive to what your flesh wants. It just will. And if you're not relying on him, if you're not relying on his word, if you're not relying on his voice, then you will reap the same harvest again and again and again. And after five or six or seven of those harvests, you're bitter and you're angry and you're telling yourself, I did everything right. I did everything right. Where was God? Man, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But God, if I do this your way, this person's going to be mad. Okay. I don't serve them. I serve him. But God, if I do this, there's going to be blowback. You're living, in, you're living a life of blowback. Let it blow back really bad this time, and you're going to find a place of health where you're not living in that same blowback. Some of us are so used to the like, low-grade blowback we live in from destructive ways. We're so afraid of pulling the trigger and having some big blowback. Guess you're already living in it. You're already living in it. Pull the trigger. 
I, am, I was in this direction, I'm heading in this direction. That's it. No more of my understanding. No more of my flesh dictating it. No more of fear dictating it. Man, when you're making decisions out of fear, and we do, if you've been hurt, you do. Unless you really give that to God and begin to lean on his understanding, you do. Man, fear is not your best self. <laughs> and not your best decisions. Not going to live out of fear. Not going to live out of fear of man. Not going to live out of fear of circumstances. I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean to my understanding. In all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. Where are you at? What are you saying? And he is the one who will make my path straight. You can't control other people, but nobody can control God. Come on now. You can't control other people, but nobody can control God. So if he has said, you do this and I will make your path straight, no one's going to make it crooked for you. Can't happen. It can't happen. (laughs) Because he is God and we are not. And nobody who opposes you is God. He is God. So don't be deceived. If the harvest you're reaping, you don't want, plant something different. And it starts with, what does your word say? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? That's where it starts. What is your way? There is nothing of the flesh that can reap life for you. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Things grow slow and they grow in season. When you plant things, they grow slow. You don't pull up to McDonald's and say, I'd like to plant rosemary and thyme. And pull up to the window, and they were like, we put the seed in and look, here's your plant. That is not how gardening works. (laughs) Things grow slow, and they grow in season. Now, there's fast ways to get stuff, They're all of the flesh. You can steal stuff fast. You can steal stuff fast. You can't grow stuff fast. You can try to take things out of season fast when God hasn't ordained that thing. But if you're going to let it grow in season, it's going to grow slow. There's no way around it. There's a reason why Jesus used farming metaphors so much for the kingdom. The things that are good, the things that are eternal, the things that will last, they're going to grow slow in your life. You might hit seasons where things go fast, but let me tell you, the stuff that remains grows slow. Not fast. We get frustrated. We're going to take things out of season. I um, was listening to a Bill Johnson sermon. It was so good. I can't remember the name of it. I wish I could so you could listen to it. But it was a few years ago. But he talked about how he would go through his house. And he said, I could go through my house and I could show you thing after thing that God gave me in his time and his season. When he um, didn't have much money, they had debt. He really wanted a rifle. They live out in the woods. There's hunting and all that kind of stuff. And uh, maybe, maybe they have a hunting blind. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, we don't live in California, so it's undefiled. Um, but he wanted a rifle, and there was a particular rifle he wanted. And there was a cheaper rifle that he could have bought. It was like a, a used one, 
but it wasn't in great condition. And you know, so you kind of of safety. And there was one in his heart he really wanted. He really wanted it. And in his mind, he thought, you know what? I could go ahead and just buy the one I want on credit. Um, it'll take us X number of time to pay off whatever. And the Lord really convicted him. You have debts. When your debts are paid off, think about it. But not until your debts are paid off. You got a family. You're not going to accrue debt for a toy. You know, which I know in this room, I shouldn't say guns or toys because some of you are like, those are fighting words, right? <laughs> guns are important, I'm just saying. So you kind of wrestled with God, and he was like, that's right. You know, he kind of came to his right mind. Like, of course you're not going to go buy on credit a gun, the, the kind you just really want, and spend more when you have debts to pay off. Well, about three weeks later, this old guy in his church said, hey, come on over. I have something for you. And he had a whole wall of rifles. He's an old hunter. And he said, I, just, I feel like God told me he just wants me to give you one of these. And Bill Johnson thought, that's so cool. But here's, you know, here I need a rifle and God's going to give it to me. And so he, went, he wanted to pick one. He didn't want to be too, you know, so he picked one that he thought was kind of mid-grade and whatever. And he's like, oh, no, no, I don't want you to pick one. I have one for you. And he pulled out the rifle that he had wanted. The very one that he wanted to go into debt for. And God had told him, do not do it. And he didn't do it. And this guy just gave it to him. He said, God told me, to get, he said, he told me specifically what to give you. And gave him the very rifle. And he said, I could take you through my house and I could show you this thing and that thing. Just things that God just gave me. And sometimes they were desires in my heart. And in season, he just gave them to me. I didn't even buy him. He just gave them to me. And the point he was making was, you know, we go in debt for things we want, things that God probably is going to give you anyway. But we decide, I'm not going to wait in season. I'm not, it's too slow. Your obedience is too slow. I'm going to get what I want. And we end up under all this debt when he was going to provide a way to get the house. He was going to provide a way to, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was going to provide a way because we don't want to wait for things in season. We feel like his ways are too slow we end up, what could have been a blessing in our life becomes an albatross around our neck. The very thing he would have given would have been this weight of debt on Bill Johnson and said it's the blessing. But the blessing God has for you can become a weight when you take it out of season. You see what I'm saying? If you're going to grow, things are going to grow slow and they're going to grow in season. So, don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get weary. You think, man, I've been in this season. I have changed this and that. I have, I have repented of this thing. I have turned this direction, and I'm still planting the good seed, and I am waiting <laughs> for the harvest of righteousness, and I am tired. Man, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm telling you, there's so many times when the enemy comes and you are at the point where you are most likely to give up right before the breakthrough. How many of you have found that? You got the most desperate, the most, I'm done, <laughs> right before you came into breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't give up. Set your heart on the things above. Set your heart on his ways for his purposes, right? Right? 
that's going to help you. Otherwise, your heart is going to get super antsy. Like, I'm doing stuff his way, but I still want, my heart is not converted over to his desires, right? That's going to be difficult. But if you're planting righteousness, wait for it in season and don't give up. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing because in season, you are going to reap a harvest. Some of you are in the hardest part of tending the garden of your hearts because you have switched crops. You were planting toward the flesh. You were planting toward destruction. And something happened. You repented. You gave that to God. And you said, I am tearing up that old crop and I am planting a new crop of righteousness. And I'm telling you, when you have switched crops, that is the most desperate time sometimes because the work is so much harder. If your soil was already good and you're just, you've just reaped a great harvest and you're planting right for righteousness, you're kind of still buoyed from the last harvest. When you just harvested crap in your life, can I, My grandpa used to say crap, so I think it's okay. I don't know. If you just harvested junk in your life, so you're already coming from like a deficit of like, whew, right, you've already taken a blow, and now you've got to pull up. How many of you know you're a pet, but sometimes you've got to pull up seeds. Sometimes you've got to pull up that old crop and burn it. How many of you, after repentance sometimes, God shows you stuff and it's hard to walk it out? Sometimes you've repented and now you've got to go apologize or now you've got to go, right? Sometimes pulling up that old crop. Whoo, now you've planted a new crop toward righteousness and you're waiting for the harvest. That's your longest season. Tearing out that old crop and planting a new crop where you were, you were planting things in the garden of your heart that were wicked and now you're planting righteousness. That's going to be your longest season. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. The Amish, when they put up barns, have you seen a barn raising? The Amish do? If you had to build a barn yourself, I don't know how long it would take. And you, I mean, you literally couldn't just yourself. Some of those beams are just too big, they're too massive. The Amish come together, they, someone needs a barn built. They come in a day, all of them working together, get that thing up. And they have good food in between. Like, they're pretty awesome. Listen, you, you don't garden, the, the garden of your heart, don't do it alone. Especially if you're in a season where you've had to pull up a crop and you're planting a new crop, call in your Amish friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Say, let them know. I might need some help with this harvest. I might need some help before the harvest comes in. The rain hasn't come yet. And I'm growing. Come on. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know what God has said. You know a harvest of goodness is coming. But you haven't seen it yet and your hope is still in him. But it seems like a long time. And your heart's starting to grow sick. Man, call in the infantry. Call in your Amish friends. I need you to pray with me. I need you to, to walk with me through this. I need you just to let me cry. Like, whatever it is, don't do it alone. 
There's a reason why God places people in a church. He left the church. He didn't leave a Christian. He left the church. There's a reason why. Don't grow weary in well-doing. If you will plant toward righteousness, you are going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Some of you, there are things you have been planting, you've been believing God for. For some of you, there's just things of God you want to see. For some of you, healing, seeing people healed in your heart. For some of you, I mean, there's a whole, whole wide range of things. There's things you want to see for maybe your kids. There's things in your relationship, whatever it is. Keep planting toward righteousness. No matter what the circumstances come at you, no matter how much somebody doesn't like it, you keep planting toward righteousness. Do it God's way. And you will reap a harvest. You will reap a good harvest. Would you stand? Worship team, if you come on up. Prayer team, come on up. There's folks that are going to be here on each side who can pray with you. And there's folks who will be in back on each side that can pray for you. Now, you might need prayer for any number of things in the house. And you're welcome to come get prayer. Maybe you're sick in body, whatever it is. But I want to call for two specific things. Number one, if you are in this room and you have not given your life to Jesus, and here's what I mean by that. You've repented of your sins and said, man, my way was wrong. Come and forgive me of my sins. Now my life is yours. I'm exchanging my life for your life. He will give you a clean slate. It says your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. The spirit of Christ will come to dwell within you and you'll experience a power in your life you've never had. If you're in this room and you know I have not made that exchange, that's the most important thing that could happen in this room today. You can come and pray with any one of these people and make the exchange. Life's been happening to you, and it's time now to plant new crops. <laughs> Some of you in this room, maybe there's just stuff you're pressing in the Lord for. There's, there's seeds of righteousness you've been planting, and there's a weariness in it. You could use prayer. Maybe some of you are still in the process of pulling out old crops that are rotten. I encourage you to join with someone. A band of two or three cords, a, a cord of two or three strands can't be broken very easily. Don't do it alone. Agree with people in prayer with you. There's any other number of things you might want to respond and get prayer for. Um, you can pray with any of these folks here or in back. Or if you want to pray with a believer near you, every single believer in this house has a king without measure. But let's take some time to respond to God. Amen.